You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. Today is the power hour. Looks like I've got uh, Ethan and JR with me from Pittsburgh Power for now. We'll see who else might be joining us. The show is all about the business of trucking. Today we'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, troubleshooting, emissions, electrical, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Let's uh, welcome Ethan and JR. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hi, Kevin. How's good always to be here? Yeah, great to have you here. So uh, is Bruce playing hooky today? Uh, he's on an airplane, so he's got a pretty good excuse there. Um, I but guess. John is at the moment. He and uh, Pete... And Brad all went out to lunch a little late, and that's where we're at on on that status there. Got it. Well, I think we can handle it. Oh, I think we can. Anything uh, new and exciting happening over at Pittsburgh Power these days? Oh, I know that that's part of what they're doing right now is with the the Dorothy and... uh, they're out to lunch, so I don't know all the details there. Okay. Well, good. Maybe is John coming on the show today? Uh, he said he would whenever they get back, but I don't have an exact time for us on that one. Got it. All right. Well, what do you say we get to some phone calls? Oh, we absolutely can do that. All right. Let's get started in Wisconsin today. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, I appreciate the show. Uh, yeah, I, you got a uh, oil sample there, uh, and I also have a comment and a question for Ethan when we get through with that. All right. So uh, That's the first, the, uh, first oil change since I in-framed this $10,000 money truck. Okay. And you had uh, just about 8,000 miles on it when you changed the oil, right? Uh, no, I had no, I actually changed it at, at 2,000. That's another 9,800 right there, or eight, another 8,000 uh, there for this one. I just wanted oh, to get it. an oil sample to make okay. sure everything was looking good. Uh, got it. Uh, it's looking great, you know, for a early oil change after an in-frame, it's really clean. So um, I think the engine went back together well. I think it's tuned and running well. This sample looks really good. My only question, uh, really, uh, uh, it's running running great. I'm getting a mile and a half per gallon better than I was before. Uh, So it's running great. Uh, my, My biggest question was, uh, it still shows 2.6 on fuel dilution. I was at four plus before. We did do injectors, 
uh, along with the uh, basic end frame that it uh, Detroit, uh, you know, factory shop, uh, you know, uh, Clark Power, uh, one of their Detroit shops. So um, my my only question is 2.6, is that easing up there? I know 2 is zero. Uh, do you have yeah. any, you know, you know that, and I'm, I'm going to check another one at 25 before I do anything also. But uh, do you have any concern with that or the .5 on the soot that they may not have got the uh, overhead, that, you know, exactly like it should have been, or what do you think? You know, it's still pretty early. The the 2.6 on fuel, I wouldn't even think about. That's virtually nothing. A little bit of idling, you know, anything could cause that. So that I, I think you've got the fuel issue taken care of with the new injectors. 0.5 on soot, again, we're really early into this oil change uh, after an in-frame. So I think both of those are going to continue to get better. Okay, and uh, one of the concerns we had, I got it to Pittsburgh Power. Ethan will remember the uh, ECM where the uh, battery was exploded uh, about a month ago. You remember that, Ethan? No, oh, I do with that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I don't know how I only had one, one issue coming in there, and, and I called John or uh, I texted John the day before told him well, what was happening, he, and he said, yeah, we'll get it in here, we'll look at it. I, the uh, the master mechanic at, at Detroit power washed with a 4,000 PSI power washer, and he was all down there where the ECM was. And I think you had, I think John mentioned that you had found that the, that the, the seal had been pushed back and the battery exploded. The only issue I had was every 30 minutes, it would not allow my uh, fan to turn on, and I had to pull over because I was get up to near 215, 218 on the temp. I'd cut it off. I'd cut it back on. It would reset. The fan would come on. I could drive another half an hour. I did that for a day and a half till I got to you guys a month ago. Since you've done your, your magic, I stay between 173 and 179 all the time on the temp now, so it's working perfectly. And even on Fancy Gap with a 40,000-pound load, I only got to 191. And I was giving it some pretty good boost. I wanted to make sure these these rings seated. So I, you know, I, the guy at Detroit said drive it hard up a hill uh, for a, for the first month to make sure everything seats tight. And uh, so it, it's actually been very wonderful on that, that regard. But I do have another question for Ethan. Uh, the... Um, I'm having an issue, and I'm probably going to have to get it in there to you and let you crawl all over it with a multimeter or one of your one of your real good electrical guys. The only the issue I'm having is um, right uh, everything is good. Uh, I've got 14.1 at the alternator. I've got 14.1 on the batteries when the truck started up, the alternators kicking the juice over to it. Uh, my scan gauge and my uh, and and the dash. Both have me right now at about 13 because I have lights on and windshield wipers on because it's raining up here. If I turn those off, it'll go up about four or five tenths on both of those meters that are on the dash and on the scan gauge. Where could I be getting a voltage drop when I put a little bit of a load on it like that when I'm when I'm running? What what could be the? We've looked at every ground on the truck. Uh, we've done a lot of things, but. Uh, to check for it, but we haven't found anything that could cause that. What is your best idea on that, Ethan? Well, on that, one thing I would want to check is, even though you can check the ground visually, 
Um, some of these cables, they, they rot out from the inside. And unless you cut them in half, you'll never actually know the answer. So it can't hurt to run a few new grounds. Um, it's a cheap, okay. inexpensive, you know, trial, and it can't hurt anything. That and I would, I would run one from the, yeah, I would run one from the cab to the frame, and then from the frame to the, uh, to the batteries. And that should. Okay. It sounds like your cab's not seeing the full power. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, and I don't want it to cause me any other problems. Sometimes when you have issues with with electrical like that, it'll start. You know, you'll have things like your. Uh, your, you know, your your cell phones and stuff like that will start burning, you know, kind of messing up from the inside if voltage drops too much. And I, I don't want that, that to happen. So, so just in other words, we know what we know. We got good tight grounds at the, at the grounds, but we don't know what's inside the rubber going back to the other end. Okay, I, I can understand that. So, so adding some new ones can never hurt. Okay, that's one thing. All right. So, uh, so I get that. Get that done. I'll I'll check back with you. I'm going to be getting with you guys in a month or so, or a month or two. I want to get the crankshaft damper changed, and uh, uh, a couple things. But I may I may also have you put it on the dyno. And uh, and uh, with this series 60, I know you already have a lot of uh, programming that that you've already done. But I really am not looking for anything uh, custom. But but uh, I may have you put a little bit bigger program in it. It, it runs good now, but. Uh, but I'm getting ready to change out to a 13 speed and going to change my rear ends out the next, uh, in the near future also. So uh, I'm going to want that 264, like like Kevin talks about, that I can run in 11. So uh, I want to make sure everything's right before I go to that far, though, on, on those things. But it seems to be running fantastic. And you you worked magic with that, uh, with your your rebuild of, of, you basically rebuilt it. You took it off and cleaned up everything, put the battery in and, and did all that, and uh, I'm going to tell everybody that's listening that that is a very cost-effective thing to do because I called Detroit, and they said, oh, you just probably need an ECM at 2500 bucks." So, <laughs> so I do appreciate what you did there. Oh, you're welcome there. And uh, one thing that's worth mentioning about the, these batteries, it's, it's really funny when it's, they can go dead and they don't cause as much problems, but when they explode inside, funny things tend to happen. Um, I've seen it where it'll shut the truck off randomly. Uh, you name it, it, it can cause a, a wide variety of issues. Right. But- All right, there's the music. We've got to get to a break. We're going to come right back and get to more of your calls and questions right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. This is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and JR from Pittsburgh Power with me. We're going to get back to your calls and questions. We're off to Texas this time. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, how you guys doing? Um, got a question. I got a 2013 Freightliner Cascadia um, coming coming to IXX. Question I have is how often should this thing regen? I'm I'm regening every you know 300 400 miles, and uh, for one, I can I can smell it regen, and of course the RPMs go up while I'm driving, or you know if I put it in neutral, I can see the RPMs raise. Um, and I'm getting a little bit of smoke in my cab when it regens. So I guess the first question is, what causes that smoke? And then how often should it regen? Uh-oh. Hold on. Let me... Uh, sorry, guys. Ethan, JR, I forgot to bring you in. Go ahead. Okay. I'll start my little speech again here. Uh, <laughs> the three to 400 miles is way too often to be doing a regen. And what you told me, a key thing here, is that you're getting smoke in your cab. Um, on these trucks, there's a flex pipe right after the turbo, and that flex pipe tends to break. And when it does that, it'll let the smoke go into the cab, and it won't let it complete a regen, and then it fails to light properly because uh, it's losing the heat from the exhaust. I mean, when it does that, then it kicks out, and then it says, hey, I still want a regen, and 400 miles, it tries it again, and it's stuck in an infinite loop. So the first thing I would do is look, check that flex pipe after the turbo. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely get that checked. And I'm getting no lights or anything that's, you know, requesting a park regen or, or, or nothing of that nature. I can just, you know, tell it's going into a regen while I'm driving. So I'll definitely get that flex pipe checked, and I appreciate it. But so how often should it regen on a normal normal engine? It depends on the application. If you're over the highway, it's going to be, I've seen it between like once every three weeks. Um, the well site trucks tend to do it more because they sit there and idle a lot more. So it's all on application, but anytime it goes into a regen every three to like 500 miles, there's an issue with the system. All right, guys, I appreciate it. And thank you for that advice on the flex pipe. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We're going to head off to Virginia this time. Roger, welcome to the program. It's your turn. Roger? Hello? Yep, you're there. Go ahead. Yeah, there we go. Okay. All right, quick question there. I have my truck up, Pittsburgh Power, and they um, they did the work on the computer and turned it up to high fives, not quite 600. It's a 98 Detroit. And I seem to have a lot of pyrometer temperature problems here. And I did before they did it also. Um, I, get, I can get up to uh, uh, 10, 11 pretty easy on the hills. Uh, 1,100, whatever. Okay, remind me which side of the turbocharger your pyrometer's in. On the, uh, after the turbo. Okay, so it is getting a little warm. 
Um, I know we would have checked for the boost leak, but it doesn't mean that one wouldn't have developed. Um, how much boost are you making? It'll make 40 pounds. Okay. Making good boost. Uh, I mean, I have plenty of power, you know, even before, uh, you know, I had good power and uh, I had to watch a pyrometer. Then you guys um, put your program in it and uh, I still have the same pyrometer problem, but I have, you know, more power. Yeah, now but, uh, one thing I can't remember off the top of my head, and this will be worth checking, um, let's check to make sure the pyrometer is actually accurate. Uh, I've seen it where they sometimes will tend to drift. Yeah, we, we have a tester here for that, and I don't remember if we tested it while we were here, but it would be worth testing the pyrometer at this point. Okay, yeah, because I have plenty of power, but I have to drop drop a gear and cool it off. Um, um, yeah, people talk about 800, 900. Well, if I'm going to stay there, I may as well stay at the house because it's it's always going to be more than that. You said you can drop a gear and lower the pyro temperatures. What um, what RPM are you pulling hills at? Well, I'll watch it. I'll be you know 2,000, 2,100. And then whenever, as you lug down there, then it'll start climbing. Then I'll drop a gear to fan it better, and and then it'll get back down. And if I watch it, I can I can keep it at the nine range on a hill, but I'm like I said, I'm not able to use the power that I have. I yeah, really we wouldn't want to put anybody else in the truck. To, you wouldn't want anybody else to drive the truck. You have to watch it just full too much. Yeah, I would, again, want to verify that the pyrometer you have is correct. Um, like I said, we have a tester for that, or we, when we, I don't believe we did it at the time, uh, we put our own in for the dyno, and then the computer will log it, and then I can compare it versus what yours tells us. Would that be on the records from when you worked on it? Yeah, I'd have to go back and look it up, though. I, you know, I don't have them in front of me here. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, because I was up two times. I thought one time I was having a water temperature problem, so then you guys turned it back, you know, to stock to see if that helped my problem, and it didn't. Then when I come back up, you guys put your tune in it, and uh, I did find my water problem, though. And like I said, just, uh, the only problem I have with it is the pyrometer temperature right now, exhaust temperature. Is the, the mufflers on this original, or which ones are on this? It's It's straight through. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we didn't have an exhaust restriction of any kind that would make the pyro a little bit hotter than what we would like to see. Yeah. But I think the next step there would be to test the pyrometer, make sure it's giving us an accurate reading. I've seen it a few times where you, you get one and it can be off. 
Sounds like a plan. Let's head off to Georgia this time. Frank, welcome to the program. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm buying a Avery International. It's a ten speed automatic with uh, two forty seven rears. My question is, uh, can I order a Dorothy and have my mechanic to, to install that, or is that something that has to be done at your shop? Or because I never get up to Pittsburgh. Well, what I, I know so far about it is we're, we're in the process of making kits for the trucks that we have seen. So, and until we see a, that exact truck, um, we won't be able to offer a kit for a mechanic yet because a lot of the pieces are hand-fabbed in-house. Okay. So I'd have to make an appointment to come up there? Yeah, at the moment or until we uh, design the kit for your truck. Okay. Is this an ISX 400? That's what the specs say on the sheet. Yeah, but every so far, every uh, make, model, and then what you know, what little features they like to change on these things between the years is affecting the positioning of where the Dorothy goes on each one of the trucks. So we're in the slow process of making a kit for each and every one of them. Okay. So if I call your shop, you'd tell me if you could be able to do it or or I just have Yeah, to you'd have to get a hold of Yeah, you have to call and talk to John. Um he is the one in charge of the Dorothy project there. Okay. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. I'm looking at the clock. It looks like we're going to head into a break. And when we come back, we'll get to more of your calls and questions. So stick around. This is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and JR with me from Pittsburgh Power. We're going to get to more of your calls and questions right after this. The CMC registration is open. We just opened it this week. We're excited. Uh, Sign-ups are happening. CMC is September 17th through the 21st this year council bluffs iowa the mid-america center and again registration is open get signed up things are happening you don't want to miss out it is a five-day intensive business conference all kinds of things going on we'll tell you more about it you can find out more on the website you can sign up there at letstruck.com you can always call our tribe care team 855 8 Zero zero three eight three five. We'll be right back. Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and JR with me from Pittsburgh Power. We're going to get right back to calls and questions. We're off to Massachusetts. Joe, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. What's on your mind today? Good. Uh, I got a few items. Uh, Last week, you had a gentleman on. He was talking about his ISX. And he was talking about the lift pump. You guys were trying to figure out, I think, Ethan, if it was turned on by a switch or if it was turned on by the key. And I have a 2001 ISX. And the way I understand that lift pump to operate, it goes on with the key. It stays on for two minutes, turns itself off. And the reason why they came out with that, I was told many years ago, was because the ISX would lose its prime when it was just sitting for a long period of time. And that lift pump was just to prime the lines so the truck would start. Now, I've had many Cummins people tell me that that lift pump has to work all the time, meaning every time you start the truck, Otherwise, the truck won't run. I replaced mine once because it had stopped working. I drove it for three years without the lift pump. They put a new one on for $1,400. It lasted about one year, and then I bypassed it and was driving it again for another nine years until I took it into Cummins one day and they told me, Oh, this truck's not going to ever run right without that lift pump being bypassed. You need a new lift pump. And I told them don't even touch it because the truck has a million miles since it was bypassed. So just to give you a little education on Cummins lift pump. Yeah. That guy last week, I'm sorry, the guy last week was having air troubles. He was sucking air, and you guys were thinking maybe it was the lift pump. He could bypass that and see if it helps him. Yes, that's more than possible on that. Now, I noticed, and we had this in the shop a few times, learning the the hard way there, because I sometimes disconnect them when we're working on the trucks, when we're cycling the keys so they're not always running. Right. They do run between one and two minutes. It depends on which engine and which calibration is in it. But on the newer common rails, they seem to be more important, uh, especially on startup. Now, like on the older models with the the the, the pre-common rail, it, they I've seen them run you know, an indefinite amount of time without a lift pump working. Now, the new common rail tends to be a little bit more sensitive than the the old uh, fuel setup on the ISFM. So, because I had one in the shop, we couldn't get it to start until we plugged the lift pump in, and it was happy after we did that part. And that was on the new okay, common well, rail one. But I've, I've seen it many times where they're they're broken and they come in, and I don't even being that they're god awful expensive. Unless you're having an issue with the holding the prime, they're typically yeah. not a, a required part. What year? What year did they they start that? The newer one. That's... Uh, half, halfway through 2011. So you oh, in okay. 2011, you could still get either or. It would depend on well, where you bought your truck and where it was manufactured at and until they ran out of the old 
old uh, engines there. Then they swapped over to the new ones. Okay. Um, on another subject, now you guys were just talking earlier about um, batteries for the ECM. I always hear people talk about the ECMs on the 60 Series Detroits. What about the ISX? Does that have a battery in it as well in the ECM? I have never seen one in one, and we've taken them apart. Um, it, it does not rely on an uh, ECM RTC battery. Okay. Um, because I'm having a problem now, and I didn't know if maybe that was something I should do. I have a problem with um, my gauges. I have a, a little computer screen that gives me all my fuel mileage, and it'll bring up codes if something is wrong. Um, it's on the left side of my dash on a 2001 Volvo 770. And lately, this screen goes dead, and it says no data. And when it goes dead, there's also some gauges right there. Pyrometer, oil pressure, turbo, and coolant. They all go to zero like they've all lost power. It doesn't change yes. the way the truck runs, but they it comes and it goes. It'll be off for 10 minutes. It'll come back on for 10 minutes. Never affects the way it runs. Any idea? Yeah, all the Volvo dashes are data-linked, so it's just reading data from the ECM and all the gauges read off that. The Volvo dashes are notorious for the plugs in the back, uh, over time, there's solder connections inside the dash that break. Um, that's 99% of the time what happens. Uh, I rarely pull dashes, resolder pins, and everything works. And that's usually the okay. So check the plugs on the on the back of it. Yeah, uh, right? it's not even that. It's inside the dash. You got to take the dash apart and resolder all the solder connections for those pins. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. And then I got one more question. Um, is it possible to push start or pull start a truck with an automatic transmission? No. Okay. Didn't know since a lot of them, you know, the automatics are, well, some of them are automatic, but computer controlled boxes over a manual transmission. Well, the right. all, all virtually yeah, all Class A trucks are really what we should call auto shift transmissions. They're not automatics. A true automatic, like uh, right. in a Class Eight, is almost unheard Allison. of. It. Yeah, a true Allison, really, really rare. You you almost never see it. Some off road applications, but the other. I was just wondering about this. You have the two pedal auto shifts with a centrifugal clutch, but there are still some three pedal with a manual clutch. I just don't know if there's any way to get that gear to engage on a three pedal. You might actually. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so. Cause I think the ECM wants to see the engine running before it'll let you start I, shifting. I think you're right. So I think even with the three pedal, you're just out of luck, even though it is a manual transmission and you should be able to pull start it. The electronics will stop it from engaging, I believe. Okay. And, um, 
The one guy that was just on talking about his money truck, I believe he was talking about an old truck he bought and keeps making money with it. Yes. Is that what I was under? Right. Okay. Yeah. Kudos to him. Uh, I, I listened to your show last night, Kevin, where you had a guy come on that his father would like to buy him a brand new truck. Oh yeah. To start a business. Yeah. Uh, I like to cringe. Uh, one thing I just like to say, guys, a lot of times go out and buy an inexpensive old truck to get started to make money. And then they always feel that they need to upgrade. <laughs> right. You don't upgrade when you're making money with a piece of equipment is my right. philosophy. You know that, that keep the truck, it makes you money. It's a really good point. I, you know, yeah. I talk all the time about get started with something inexpensive because it minimizes the risk and you're going to make money. But you're absolutely right. If that's the way to make money, why change? Uh, unless you're just doing really well and you want a new truck. I get all that. But um, the call last night, I, I think it was uh, going to be a huge mistake. Hopefully he rethinks that. Let's... Uh, Let's get started on another call. We'll carry it through the break. We're off to Georgia. Jesse, welcome to the program. Hey, how y'all doing? Good. What's on your mind today? I'm going to try to make this quick. I'm almost to my delivery, but I had a question about um, my engine. I've got an 05 uh, Kenworth, <clears throat> excuse me, W900. It's got the C15 Acert Cat. That's the MSX. And... Recently, three or four weeks ago, I put a uh, manifold, had a crack in it anyway. I put a new manifold in it. And since then, I've kind of heard the only way I know to describe it is uh, a thumping, a really light thumping noise just when I'm, you know, when I'm on the throttle, I'm gearing out. And I was wondering, I did take about six months ago, I took the mufflers off of the truck. I was just wondering if that was something serious to be worried about or maybe it's just exhaust. Well, hold that thought. The music's playing. We've got to get to a break. We're going to come right back. We'll see if Ethan or JR have any thoughts about that noise. And we'll get to more of your calls and questions right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and JR with me from Pittsburgh Power, and we're going to get back to the calls. We were talking with Jesse in Georgia. Any thoughts, guys? 
Well, on, on this Acer, I would if it happened directly after you changed the manifold, I would go back and make sure that those accordion gaskets um, for the on the charged air side all sealed right. So uh, like a boost test would make sure because like, those gaskets are like they're more like a flange. Uh, they're notorious for having problems. Okay, I'm I'm trying to think exactly what you're talking about. I can't place it on my. I actually put the manifold and everything on myself. Uh, so I'm trying to think of where you're talking about, but I'm not. It's not clicking with me. There's, yeah, there's two of them, and there's there's two gaskets. Where they're I call, I'm calling them a gasket, but they're actually uh, they look like a little accordion, and they're like a flex pipe, and they go between <sighs> the turbos, and and I believe one goes to the after cooler. Uh, okay, and they're notorious yes, for yes. having problems. I would yeah, I had to replace one of those sure a few months ago, in. actually. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I would. I would just double check them. Okay. Okay. Other than that, the uh, uh, just that noise is all I was worried about. I, I had the overhand ran uh, a month or so ago. Well, I had it checked, and it was still good from when it was done a while back because the guy back the. Uh, the VVAs off of it, and he did check my uh, my cam and said it was starting to show some wear, and maybe by the end of the year I would probably need to think about replacing that. And was just wondering if if I would be hearing a noise like that coming from there because the internal stuff is what really bothers me and worries me about the engine. You know, the outside stuff I can take care of, but <clears throat> yeah, that that's a problem that's not going to get better on its own. Uh, eventually and it could be depending on how bad the cam was and unless i see it i couldn't tell you directly if that's the, the problem but it's a definite possibility okay okay all right well that's all i had i do appreciate it you're welcome thanks for the call we are off to illinois this time kyle welcome to the program Hello? Yep, it's your turn. Go ahead. Hey, uh, I got a CPL 2592 N14 Cummins that I recently had upgraded by a Cummins shop from 525-1590 to 525-1850. For starters, when they upgraded it, uh, some of the Old parameters, like the engine brake coming on on cruise, um, the idle shutdown, that stuff all got changed. So I'm gonna, I need to get in and get that stuff straightened out. But I actually lost boost with the higher torque tune. Is that, is there something wrong inside the tune, or what do you think's going on with that? Yeah, the boost on that should have stayed the same because that. I'm familiar with the 2592 CPL on the N14 uh, Select Plus there. Yeah, you shouldn't have lost any boost. Um, you should have gained a few pounds down low because your your the, high, the peak horsepower remains the same. It just added more fuel down low. Um, so something doesn't quite sound right there. I would want to double check to make sure they put the right program in it because it sounds like to me because the 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 parameters that you described shouldn't change when you program it. Uh, unless okay. you tell it to. So they might have put the wrong program in and then also erased all your parameters. 
Or they lifted okay. one from another truck and put that on it. Yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, um, well, that that was another thing I was going to ask because now my ECM reading, um, this is a two-year-old reman or recon with about 60,000 miles on it. And my ECM shows, oh, what was it, 331,000 miles at this point. Yeah, which is, yeah, and, and it's telling me that, that somebody stuffed the, the wrong program in there. Um, and that would explain your fuel mileage loss, or not the fuel mileage, the boost loss. Um, okay. So... I'm thinking that someone didn't do it quite right. And I've seen that many times on the Cummins. Um, the correct way would have been to go to the Cummins server, especially being that it's, you know, if a Cummins dealer does it, they have access to the correct program for that truck. So it shouldn't have changed anything unless they told it to. Okay. Um, and then uh, what, what's a good horsepower and torque rating for economy with these? engines. I was told the 500 to 525 is pretty economical. Yeah, the N14, especially with that CPL, it's rated at the five and a quarter 1850 torque. So, you know, I got nothing against it sitting right there. Um, I see they run real good and they run strong. But it, on your, in your case, I don't think it's actually anywhere close to that, especially being that you lost boost. It sounds like they put the wrong program in it. Okay, yeah, because I'm down about a half mile to the gallon in the last month as well. So. Yeah, and it's it's very important on the Cummins that you stick to the CPL with especially programming. When you change that, you often get results that you're not expecting. Because again, I'm a the 2590 CPL is extremely similar, but you can't put the program from a 2590 into a 2592. Um, Odd results can happen. Okay. All right. Um, is this some? Is this an engine you commonly tune or? Yeah. Because after this, I don't feel like going to back to time. the dealer. Yeah, I've done my my fair share of the Cummins N14s there. Um, so I've I've seen you know enough that we can make we can fix the problem. Okay. All right, um, and uh, how far out are you booked right now? Right now, we're only about a w one to two weeks, so we're not too far out. And occasionally, I would have time to squeeze something like that in, that being it would be a engineering department job and not a shop job. Okay. okay. All right, yeah, I can get out there pretty easy, so I'll uh, get a hold of you. Probably next week, then. Okay, that sounds good. All right, sounds great. All right, great. thank you. We're going to squeeze in one more before we've got to wrap this up. We are off to Arizona. Lloyd, welcome to the program. Hey, guys, how's it going? Good. What's on your mind today? Good. Um, about uh, three, three and a half years ago, I had my C-15, 03 C-15 rebuilt. I sent all the parts out to Pittsburgh Power. And had them balanced and all that. Got them back. Got her back together. That was at 1.38 million. Right now she got one point, a little over 1.7 million. Um, fuel mileage is hovering mid sevens, low eights, depending on the load I'm doing and how fast I'm running. 
And uh, just curious, uh, on this new rebuild, how often should I get an overhead done, or is it due for one, or should I just wait for my fuel mileage to start going haywire? I like to see them done at about 200000 the first time, and then after that, I'd, I'd run it until you, until you notice something. I agree. Oh, okay, so just go ahead and get it scheduled and get her in and uh, have her looked at. Yeah, get it done once. You know, hundred to two hundred thousand. I'd do it maybe as early as one hundred, but the uh, the valves will become a little more friendly with the head, and that's going to change the lash a little bit, which changes the the, the valve timing. And yeah, so you need to uh, you know at least once. I'd like to see it done, and then uh, you know then keep an eye on your uh, oil analysis and such, and uh, until you figure these see some reason to do it. Yeah, oil analysis has been great, uh, no problems there. Have been using a little bit more oil than I thought. Usually between eight eight thousand and twelve thousand, I have to put a gallon in. And uh, but other than that, she's just you know just running great. I've always had to put oil in that you know between eight and twelve thousand, even before I rebuilt her. So I just think that's the nature of the beast on that big motor. But um, okay, yeah, I'll get that scheduled out then and have them take a look at it and maybe get her dialed in a little bit tighter. All right. Good deal. Sounds like a plan. I'm looking at the clock. Looks like we're going to have to wrap this one up. We are all out of time. We will do it again real soon. Thanks for joining me. This has been the Power Hour. Thanks to the guys at Pittsburgh Power. We had Ethan and JR. John joined us there at the end. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. CMC registration is officially live. It's open. You can get signed up. CMC will be September 17th through the 21st. Council Bluffs, Iowa at the Mid-America Center. Five jam-packed days. It's going to be bigger and better than ever. So don't wait. Get signed up. You can go to the website at letstruck.com and sign up there. Or you can call our Tribe Care team. 855-800-3835. It's 855-800-3835. 800 fuel. We'll see you next time. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Texas, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is the Power Hour. We've got the guys from Pittsburgh Power here helping out. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, horsepower, torque, emissions, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. We're going to get to those calls in just a minute. Uh, Ethan, John, welcome back. 
Thanks, Kevin. Good to be here. As always, good to be here, Kevin. Great to have you here. So, uh, John, we missed you at the open of the last show. I hear you were just out goofing off at lunch or something silly. <laughs> I was, yeah. We have a supplier here took us out a feet and aisle to lunch, so ran into the show a little bit. Sorry about that. Uh, that's all right. So, But we'll give you another shot. Anything, uh, anything new and exciting you want to talk about this week? Not really, no. We've been pretty mundane this week here. Nothing, nothing too interesting. Yeah, same, same thing. Working for on me. some more Dorothy installs. Been busy with that, but other than other than that, just fixing trucks. Yeah, well, same with me. I've been uh, traveling, still on the road since uh, the first of February. I'm out. Oh, you're not back yet. I'm still not home. I'm in uh, Palm Desert, California, wow. for another week. And I thought I was going home after this, but uh, I've got another opportunity back in Scottsdale. It's only a couple hours away and one in Flagstaff. So I might go do two more things before I get home. I might, before the summer's out, though, I might be heading your way. Oh, cool. Yeah. So if we uh, if we get back, or if I get back, I know Lisa's going. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to. If I get back that way, I want to schedule some time and come over and hang out with you guys. That'll, that'll be terrific. All right. What do you say we uh, get to? What we, we need to do Oop, something to your truck. To your. Uh, what were we going to do to your RV? We were talking about doing something to your RV. I forget what it was. It still needs more horsepower. Lots more horsepower. Or well, we could do that, yeah. yeah okay. I think I figured something out for Did that you? Okay, that's a C12, C13, uh, C13, C13, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we might have that for you. Yeah, just to, you know, I, I like driving slow, 60 miles an hour, and this is comfortable. That's normal, normally where I set the cruise. I'm embarrassed to say that even at 60, I have a really hard time getting even six miles to the gallon. This thing is just not good on fuel, and there's... Not a lot I could do. Some of your tuning and a couple other things might help. Um, but what is really crazy, on this trip, I just had multiple events back-to-back. I was filling in on other shows. My schedule just got out of control. So I was trying to minimize my driving time. So when I got out west this time and the speed limit was 75, I was doing 75. I was getting 4.2 okay. miles to the gallon. <laughs> <laughs> That's serious. That is just awful. That's 4. really bad. 2. You can watch the fuel that gauge like go good, down. Uh, that sounds like a good project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We uh, we need to work on it. Uh, see what we can do to improve that. That's right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's see if we can solve anybody else's problems. Let's head off to Pennsylvania. Daniel, welcome to the program. How are you fellas doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Good. How are you? Well, I got a fancy new toy at the Mid-America Truck Show, and it's that PST, uh, the pressure and temperature setup. Okay. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm, I gotta say, I'm digging. I kind of geeking out a little bit and it just kind of got me to thinking I've, I've got, uh, H rated, uh, steer tires on my Cascadia and, um, 
they're Michelins, and I got um, 170,000 miles on my M710s in the back. I run, well, right now there's about 120 pounds at like 30 degrees, the cold, and about, now it's like 107, 108 right now. Um, I try to get pressure, I get the low pressure setting at 100 on the drives, and I got the low pressure warning to go off at 115 on a steer. Um, where should I be kind of go, whoa, as far as high pressure and temperature to go off at? You know, honestly, I've never seen a problem with high temp or pressure. And they can climb quite a bit. When you start, you know, high already, and you get out into the desert southwest on a really hot day, you can see some pretty serious climb in temperature and pressure, but I've never seen it cause a problem. Okay. What kind of temps are you talking? This is all news. This is all new to me. What have What have uh, you seen so Kevin. far? Oh, um, no more than. Let's see. I think the alarm went off at about a hundred and. 27 degrees and I bumped it up from there so I, I, I got down into Texas and I saw I think it was a hundred and hundred and forty something yeah I, I was going to say the other day fresh, uh, speaking, and, uh, speaking of driving 75 yeah. which I was doing across I-10 um, on a nice hot sunny day and I was approaching 150 Okay. That's interesting. They make that kind of heat. I, I didn't realize they would. Our target on the race cars is always 100 degrees plus ambient. That's what uh, we run, you know, race tires. So it's, uh, oh, that's, so that's you interesting. could see like 180 yeah, or 190? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So uh, target, target temp is always about uh, 100 plus ambient. It's just kind of a rule of thumb. Huh, okay. Yeah, it's, and how it, much growth did you see uh, pressure-wise? How high did the pressure go? Uh, I think the steers, the max I got, those those never hit 150, and the drives never hit 130. Uh, and this was 82 degrees down in the Houston, Beaumont, Texas area, but I run 60 mile an hour, um, and I'm... My my average is now thirty days six nine seven lifetime uh, six fifty five. Okay. Yeah, you know, even oh, that's good. That's good data. I like that they do have done that. Even when you go to extremes, for example, you know, I always adjust my pressure cold, and I've even been, you know, at the top of a pass where it's cold. You know you're putting a lot more pressure in to get up to that 115, 120 mark. And then later in the day, you're back down, you know, at sea level and it's really hot. And you'll see big increases, but I've just never seen it cause a problem. Okay. Well, at least the good news is, is I've got the 130 PSI cold uh, uh, Alcoa's on here. So there you go. Should be good there. <laughs> yep. you, you, you should be That's all cool. set. So, but what was I thought you said you had a uh I thought you said they had a temp sensor also. Do they also tell you tire temps? That's what I was thinking of whenever you're saying those numbers. Yeah, it does temp and pressure. 
So it, it's interesting because they they okay. you know work they move with each other, but you can see I, I've seen a twenty degree difference in tire temperature based on which side of the truck the sun is shining on. So going down the road, you know, if you've got the sun really beating on one side of the truck and not so much the other, I've seen easy 20-degree variance in temperature just from the sunshine. That's cool. Do those do those devices log that data? Can you look at it later or just live? There's no way to log that. Either. I don't think there's any logging. No, not on, not on any of the units I've okay. seen. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. interesting. Yeah, it is. It's interesting information. I like watching mine. Let's go to Texas this time. Ronnie, welcome to the program. Hello. Yep, it's your turn. Go ahead. Hello. Hey guys, uh, I spoke to Ethan earlier about an ISX, and I've run across a uh, Caterpillar engine or a truck. Uh, I know it's not Kevin's favorite, but I just can't get into the new emissions. Uh, the EGR is the biggest emissions I want to deal with, but uh, it's a 2007 Freightliner uh, Columbia with a 13-speed. I don't know the gears. I'm going on the way. I'm on the way over to go look at it now, but it has a C15 in the truck, and I just wanted some information on that motor. Good, bad, ugly. Okay. Hold that thought. The music's playing. I've got to get to a break. We'll come right back, and we'll get some thoughts and ideas. Stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. CMC registration is open. Don't wait. Get signed up. You can do it on the website, or you can call our Tribe Care team, 855-800-3835. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Ethan and John are here with me from Pittsburgh Power. This is the Power Hour. We were talking with Ronnie in Texas. Uh, John, Ethan, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I believe that should be an NXS Caterpillar. Um, and no, I, we've got nothing against them. It's the twin turbocharged ACERT. Um, I'm always a big fan of the twin turbos because you can have lots of boost. And if you want that... Oh, thousand horsepower number. You really don't have to change your turbos to do it. They move a lot of air. Yeah. Oh wow! What kind of uh, <laughs> fuel economy? Uh, just stock back. You know, everything stock. And again, I don't know the. I'm fixing to find out what the gear ratio. What kind of fuel economy can you expect with nothing? You know, just stock. And then what kind of fuel economy can you expect with tuned and everything else? Um, out of the I'm going to guess 
me and John looked at each other. We're going to shoot for about five and a half. Five and a half on a good day? Yeah, yeah I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt there on that one. They're not notoriously oh, known wow. for great fuel mileage. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if we do a bunch of work, we might get you high sixes. Yeah, the best one out there I think I have is in the low sevens with the A-cert. And again, yeah. it would it varies depending on what load you're pulling, too. Um, but it would vary. Um, but five and a half is a good average if I'm going to guess blindly. Wow, that's scary. Yeah, that's a pretty honest assessment, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good place to start. I think I might want to stay away from that. The, uh, you know, the cats, as, as solid as they are, they're not the most efficient engine. A lot of power, just not fuel economy, huh? Tends nope. to be the case. Okay. All right. We are going to head off to Utah. Jerry, welcome to the program. Hello? Yes. What's on your mind today? Hello? I'm sorry. Hey, this is Terry. I have a uh, 2007 Freightliner with a, I believe it's a D-Deck 4. Uh, it has, I we just had it dynoed, uh, did a few things to it, put a new CAC, uh, new EGR, and new turbos on it. We're getting right now 396 to the rear wheels. Uh, it, suggested changing the air filters out so we'll do that but i hear you guys talk about these tunes what what do i do with this the other thing they suggested is maybe that i do a uh, it's got 1.1 million miles on it it was supposed to have a new engine 300,000 plus or minus ago uh, there's no documentation on it but we're um, I'm trying to decide, do I do an overhead on it now and then go get it tuned? Or what do I do to get this ready to run? It's not on the road yet. We're just trying to get it ready so that when we jump, it's 100%. We're ready to go, and I don't have to worry about it for a while. Well, if you don't know the history of it, it can't hurt to run the overhead. Uh, it's more of a precaution at that point, being that you don't know, uh, especially a truck you just purchased. It, it can't hurt to have all the details, uh, especially with no paperwork. But the, the, the I would need to know for the tune, we can do that remotely or here. That's a D-Deck 5, by the way, if it has EGR and it's a Series 60. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to okay, see a uh, check the blow-by as well. I'd like to see you do a manometer test on the crankcase pressure. Just that will let you know engine health. Uh, you know, piston uh, and seal they and so did. Forth. They did okay. do that, and I think it was two pounds, if I or two inches a column, or I, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't have the I don't have the paperwork in front of me, and I'm driving right now. But two inches is a, a good number. That's there. a good number. Three is max, so you're you're part way there. You know, you're 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 halfway through its life, probably maybe a little bit more. Okay, so uh, go ahead and do the. Overhead, they said that was going to be $250 or less than $300, somewhere in that neighborhood. And then, uh, and that was at a uh, Smith Power out in Utah. And then, uh, who do we get? I went on your site and I don't see anybody close to me that can do the remote tunes. 
approximately how Where much do they in Utah, Salt Lake area? You're in Utah. Mm, does Bruce have a unit? He does. Bruce has a unit again, right in Colorado. Yeah, he, it's out for the moment, but he will here again shortly. He'll have it again soon. Yeah, yeah next couple of days will be in his possession. So if you could get over to Colorado, that'd probably be the closest. If not, down into we've got a couple of guys in Arizona. And you say Colorado? What part of Colorado? Bruce, he's on I seventy. Uh, he's he's not quite as far as Denver. Oh, okay. He's up in the mountains there, Summit County. Summit County and on I seventy. Okay. Right. Yep. And Bruce so right is Silverthorne exit. Silverthorne. Okay. Okay. I know where that's at and run that regular. Our, okay. Our Bruce. Our Bruce, the owner here. Yeah. He, he's got. Oh, okay. He set him up with a with a remote tuning package. Yeah. He'll be picking him back up tonight. The fellow in Denver has it, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We oh, know it works. Okay. Ethan just used it the other day. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I can't get there right away. I'm busy for the next six days uh, with what I've got. So that would. And I'm guessing he's traveling, correct? He is right now. I know he'll be in. He'll be there till the 14th or something. I think he travels back, so he's there oh, all okay. the for this week and next week. Okay. Oh, okay. That might be worth uh, checking into then. Uh, I guess uh, I could call your office and they could hook me up with him then. And is that right, correct? yeah, call. Call, the, call engineering, uh, and we'll, we'll put you on the schedule and make sure someone's here to do it whenever you can get there, and we'll make arrangements with them to know. There you go. We're off to Oregon this time. Keith, welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, my question is, um, I've got a, a MX-13 Peterbilt, or pet car motor, um, and they were told me that I need to do an overhead adjustment periodically, and also on oil changes or like by the mileage, do you guys, is there a way to test to see if that stuff is necessary or do you have to just do it by mileage or time or how do you do that? Uh, I would follow the, uh, whatever the procedure says for, you know, when it needs to be done in the service manual. I'm not sure, you know, what the mileage is on that overhead. I don't know that off the top of my head. Um, and Brand same thing product. with the oil changes. Yes. Okay. The, the oil, uh, unless you're running a bypass filter, I would follow whatever it says in that book. Yeah. And that's, okay. that's the key. All you right, have, and you, you have two options on right. your oil change, either follow their recommended, which I believe on that engine is 50 or 60,000 for the oil change or install a bypass oil filtration system. And then, sample every 25,000 miles and only change when the sample tells you you need to. Perfect. I have one more question, if you guys don't mind me asking. Um, fuel mileage. I, I pull a curtain side, 48-foot curtain side, and I'm wondering, is there any modifications that I can do to either the truck or the trailer, or what would be the modification that would increase my fuel mileage the most? Well, there's lots of them. Well, um, I don't know what to do for those. Yeah. I mean, okay. fleet air filter, ahead, you know, fleet air filter, flow below, air tabs. Um, you may be able to do some modifications on the trailer. I'd have to see it. 
Um, if you go with the bypass oil filter like the OPS, you can switch to synthetic oil because then it becomes cost effective. So there, there are still plenty of things. Good low rolling resistant tires. You know, we can measure the rolling resistance on the tires and that can have a big impact on fuel economy. So there are several things you can do. Okay, my, I am assuming that the curtain side is not the most efficient trailer to pull. Uh, it's got some aerodynamic issues, yeah. You're going to give up some fuel economy, but that doesn't mean okay. we can't improve it. I mean, I, I've never found a truck or an operation that I couldn't improve fuel economy. I believe you. Yeah, all the front, well, thank you. All the front of the truck stuff should still be the same, right, Kevin? You know, everything you do to the front for... Uh... The, like I said, the flow below. And what about under trailer stuff on those uh, curtain sides? Are those, is that worthwhile or no? You know, some of them, just because of the the structure on how they're built, um, they, the under trays don't work. They just won't mount properly. They're not built the same way as a, a van. Okay. Um, depending, though, sometimes we can put air tabs or some of the top or backside modifications, um, the lead edge. Sometimes we can put on those trailers. So, you know, it's one of those you just get truck and trailer in and you start crawling all over it and figuring out what you can do. All right, guys. There's the music. I'm going to get to a break. We're going to come right back with more stuff. Don't go away. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. CMC registration is open. Get signed up. You can do it at the website or you can call. 855-800-3835. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and John with me. We're going to head off to Pennsylvania. Ron, welcome to the program. Yeah, hi. Um, I was just over there at uh, Pittsburgh Power the other day, and I had some work done. And I'm wondering about the turbo boost on my truck. Uh, I've got a 3406 Cat 600, and I had I've got your turbo on it and your manifold and the most turbo boost i can get is around 31 uh 31.5 and i was wondering is that normal or do i should i be looking for more where are you getting this reading from is it a analog gauge i believe it would be well i've got i've got yeah i've got scan gauge that's where i'm getting it from the analog gauge is the manifold pressure gauge and uh, it's it's kind of sluggish, and I, it just doesn't seem to give me a yeah. Uh, the fitting. Yeah, you, you got 
two things going on here. One, the scan gauge stops reading at that magical 31 point whatever number there. It varies a little, but it only measures up to about 32 pounds. Um, and that's and that's not the – it's a physical data link issue for some reason, and this is on every truck I've seen, mm-hmm. that that 31 point oh, whatever number is the maximum amount that it can transmit on the data link for some reason. Now, the mechanical gauge is lying to you because there's the little damper that CAT installs from the factory. Uh, it needs to be cleaned or removed. Just remove it. Yeah, that's the easiest way. Yeah, the 90-degree the fitting that goes into the side of the head, the manifold area of the head, they get carboned up on the inside. It's got a really tiny orifice in it, and they plug. Can that be cleaned? It could be, but you can just take it off and replace it with a regular 90-degree fitting, and it's fine. Okay. All right, I'll try that. That's why it's sluggish. Try that first and see what it's really making, and then then, uh, give us another call. All right. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We are off to Minnesota this time. John, welcome to the program. Hi. um, My dad has a 1965 Kenworth with a 335 Cummins. Now, oil filter is in the oil pan. Can you stock something like that? No, we yeah, don't. Power? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't uh, order something let, like that. Let me check my side box. I think I might have one. I <laughs> 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 uh, last I heard, we we had a couple of guys that are uh, that had three thirty fives and some old military equipment or something, and they changed. They put a filter head off of a newer engine on it. Evidently, it bolts right onto the side of the block. So. Need to go scrounge, get something off of a uh, uh, something a little bit newer, and uh, you can move the filter head onto the side of the engine, like like the uh, the newer ones. Oh, excellent! That's even better yet. Yeah, nice buy something you get the, the people stock. So. <laughs> but yeah, well, you, you, you don't have to go you don't have to go a whole lot newer to get there either. It's uh, yeah, it's just a uh, it's a pretty easy easy upgrade. Okay. Excellent. That's the one that like went on a small cam Cummins. That find one like that that just bolts on the side of the engine. Exactly, bolts right on the side of the engine. Yep. Oh, excellent. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Sure. Don't uh, don't get that call very often. Let's go to no <laughs> Arizona. Raphael, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um. Looking at upgrading, well, upgrades for my truck. I got a 94 FLD with a Detroit Series 60. And I haven't done nothing to it. I've ran it uh, for about a year now. Okay. Well, then just... 94, that's a D-Deck 2, isn't it? Might be a 2, yeah. Could be either. I can't remember exactly when they switched them over. Yeah. Would have to know if we're D deck two or D deck three. The engine of the the, the year of the engine's a ninety five. Oh, okay, that's a D deck three then. Yeah, so we can do all sorts of stuff to that. There's lots. Yeah, show up at Pittsburgh Power. Pretty much with, anything uh, under the sun with that one. That's right. Show up at <laughs> Pittsburgh Power with money in your hand, and it'll be like Christmas. <laughs> be like Christmas. <laughs> I haven't done uh well yeah. you guys uh because uh, I haven't done the overhead since I bought it. Uh so that's uh and I heard you guys got somebody out here in Arizona to do that 
He would do do that overhead. No, nah, we don't actually have a shop there. What we've got is a, we've got one of our remote tuners. I'm not sure if those guys have a full service shop or not. Um, our dealers that we talk about are not garages. They're usually just uh, guys with a, a laptop that we set them up with with all the software and everything we need to do tuning remotely. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because I've been averaging. I average a six point five. Uh, six point five. Okay. That's that's my best I've ever, I could do. So that's, that's what I'm looking at. No, no, not too bad. So I know I'm I'm gonna do tires, but trying to do ECM or turbo or something to get it more fuel economy. Yeah, we should get that. We should get the uh, you know modification wise to the engine, uh, some tuning, a manifold, and the. Uh, non-wastegated turbo breathes a whole lot nicer than that little wastegated one you have so that'll perk it up a bit and then the uh, fleet air filter and and go from there a number of other things you could do on top of that but uh, i would start with the manifold and turbo and then a tune on top of that Alrighty. so okay so i'll be probably in a week or two i'll be calling your shop for hopefully manifold and turbo get as a package and give give us a call all righty, sir. All right. Well, that's all. That's pretty much all my questions. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks all for right, the call. All right. Thank you. Let's head off to Indiana. David, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Kevin. We got a uh, oil sample there we wanted to look at. All right. I've got it here in front you find of it? me. I, yeah, Series 60. What year is this? That's uh, 03 Kenworth with a D-Deck 4. Yeah, we've got a we've got a soot problem for some reason. Um, um, you're only seeing part of that soot problem. Um, if 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 we had more history there, you would see it white, green, red, white, green, red before you see the green there. So I've been chasing this soot for a while. So you've got 53,000 miles on this oil and about 310,000 on them, assuming an in-frame, right? Yes, although that uh, in-frame number is a estimated number. Okay. Um, according to the fellow I bought the truck off of a couple of years ago. All right. So we had a sample back in the end of December. And you were only at 0.3 on soot, which is nothing. You went maybe another 20,000 miles or so. I had a 2.0 before that. Right. Well, and I see. Yeah, I had a 2.0 before that. I see a 5.0. Changed the uh, boost sensor. Okay. Didn't change the oil, and it come down to 0.3. Now I'm going back up. Hmm. Yeah, now it's up to 3.9. Change the boot sensor. So that... Any thoughts, John, Ethan? I'm confused. Why would changing the boot sensor do anything? Almost it affected the fuel curve to that degree. Still, but still, it's still getting by the rings or by the exhaust uh, guides. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, old... but the driver was driver was able to um, uh, feel a difference when we changed that boost sensor. And um, the gauge is almost almost doubled on his boost pressure. 
Um, but that's running the um, scan gauge. Almost sounds like they had the wrong sensor on it. They had the wrong one, yeah. Because yeah, it, it looks just like a GM. Oh, it is made by GM. Yeah, it is. It GM. is yeah. It looks just like the one on my pickup truck, and it actually will plug in, too. The same, yeah. <laughs> there are a couple of different ranges of that sensor, but yeah, they're, so, they're all pretty much the same. So you why, can put the wrong one in the wrong application. Why would we, after that seemed to have solved the problem, why do we have it climbing pretty high again? <laughs> why did it come back? That's that's my that's yeah. my concern. yeah. I mean, I personally believe there's only a couple of places where soot comes from. It's either by the rings or through the valve guides. Uh, and I guess it could be aggravated if the overhead's way off uh, and you're hanging the valve open um, too long over overlap. Yeah. We have run the overhead. Um, okay. Uh, pressure tested the uh, uh, charge air cooler, uh, replaced the air cleaner, and uh, none of that stuff seemed to matter until I changed that boost sensor but now i got it coming back hmm. all right hold that thought i've got to get to a break i don't have any ideas i think this one's going to require some hands-on troubleshooting we'll be right back we'll get to more of your calls and questions right after this I'm kevin rutherford this is the power hour back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and John with me from Pittsburgh Power, and we're going to get right back to your phone calls. We are off to... Uh, we're going to go north of the border this time. Randy in Canada, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. I'm calling for a friend today. She got an 06 Volvo with an ISX got a million plus miles on it but she's always pulled light freight so it's never worked hard she seems to think she's got some uh, excessive blow by and of course the first shop she went to says it's got to be rebuilt which is kind of ridiculous i don't know if that has a breather hose on it or a crankcase filter in that 06 and what's the best way to determine if her blow by is excessive from the rings um the on that model it does not have a crankcase. Uh, it didn't have it yet. Yeah, not yet the sensor. So the only way to truly do the test is on a dyno with the manometer and the special tool that Cummins requires for that engine. So the that's the only way to truly know the health of the cylinders on that one. Now, why? And the only other way to. To think of it, the only other thing that would be creating blow-by would be the turbo. So sometimes if you're not so sure it's the rings, 
uh, you 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 take the drain tube off the turbo and plug it and run the turbo drain into a bucket and see if that's it and fix it. So there are only two places okay. where crankcase pressure will come from. So it's the turbo or the piston rings. Yeah, and there's a, a special, there's a test, and it, it has to be less than 16 inches of blow-by. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's after they use these special tools that orifices it down. Right. So it, it, it's a procedure that Cummins has laid out for you. Um, you don't happen to know what our oil consumption's like there. That's what I was going to ask. No, I just started talking to her about the problem. She she seems to think that uh, she's using a quart every uh, every day. Well, why so she? So I told her basically she needs to go ahead. Well, first off, she should stop putting in a quart. I mean, really, with with an eleven gallon capacity, <laughs> a gallon. You know, when you're a gallon low, adding a gallon is not going to hurt anything at all. And I've seen a lot of engines that if you keep putting right. a well, quart or two in, they'll keep burning it right back out. And if you wait and let it get a gallon low, it will go further. It may well, that's there what for I a suggest, while, yeah. suggested to her. That way she can actually track it better. I told her to, I told her to change the oil, wash the engine because she is a girl. She says she only washed it twice a year. And then I also suggested she get your oil catch can so she can determine if that's where it's actually coming from or if she has another leak on the motor. So that's her indication of excessive blow-by? She's getting oil everywhere? <laughs> yes, she is a girl. Well, <laughs> I, I, I know lots of guys. So well, she could have another leak somewhere. That's that right, could be a leak. yeah. Yeah, so but I love her. To, I love her to death, and she was told by the shop that she she has blow by coming out of the tube. But you know, I've got a million, almost five hundred thousand on mine, and you know, I get a little bit of blow by too. But I've got your catch can, and mine's running just like a top. You know. Yeah, I Good. would. I I would verify the oil consumption so, and and not top it off until it gets a gallon low, and then I'd be looking for leaks. And then you always could get the crankcase pressure tested, but I think oil consumption might be a better indicator. Right, and then uh, do the uh, manometer test on the dyno and then have the uh, turbo pressure checked also. There you yeah, go. Yeah, make sure they follow the Cummins procedure on that. And I think with that we'll, uh, we'll be on the right track. Let's head off to Wyoming this time. Ricky, welcome to the program. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. I'm I'm the guy with the old uh, Ford Aeromax with a B model in it, and uh, I just got uh, the uh, uh, Vibratech dampener and the Mercury balance ring from uh, Pittsburgh Power here oh, uh, less than a month ago, and I want to thank you guys for uh, getting it right out to me so I could get it and get it installed. I did the installation myself. Uh, it went really pretty smooth, and uh, the thing that uh, I, I guess my question is this: uh, I had the uh, the dampener replaced shortly after I got the truck, and less than two years, that cat dampener went bad. Now I've had some freak things happen on the motor. One was the uh, idler shaft 
in the timing system that does nothing but run the timing gear broke off and I had to have, you know, the overhead completely rebuilt head, uh, valves and push rods and everything. Could that bad harmonics be what set up that uh, shaft to break off? Because the bearing was still free spinning uh, on the gear and the shaft just broke off flush with the front of the block. That's definitely a possibility, yes. Okay. Because this motor, when I when I got the truck, it, it had, uh, you know, like alternator bracket uh, adjusters that have been repaired and broken and repaired again. And yep. and so I'm thinking that my entire uh, uh, engine problems that I've had with this B model has been due to bad harmonics because the uh, the motor only had showing on the odometer 291,000 when I purchased the truck. So it was a low mileage motor. And then, unfortunately, the shop that did the head, uh, they tightened up the valve lash adjustment, and uh, it ended up the... the Uh-oh. I think, let me see if I can save that. Ricky, are you there? Awesome. Ricky? Uh, were you guys able to give any feedback on what we've got? No, it sounds like all of the stuff was related to that, uh, the uh, torsional damper. Sounds like the truck ran with one that was locked up for a while. Yeah, that's uh, same thoughts. Got it. It's amazing uh, how long we've been talking about that damper and yet how ignorant the majority of the industry still is. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, coming from uh, motorsports, I mean, we, they, they you know, they, they, you have to have a damper on the race engines or they'll take themselves apart. Yeah. It's a pretty, uh, you know, especially the high strung, uh, the, the, the high RPM ones that we work with, they, they absolutely need it. Okay. And it's, uh, it, you can see it here too. I mean, it's a lower frequency, but it's, uh, it's amazing the damage that it does. Yeah. Let's try to squeeze in one more call. Let's go to New Mexico. David, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my question on, the, on the Volvo engines, with the internal dampeners, are are they required to be changed? Do we have the same problems with those? I'm not sure. I, I, I've often questioned that. If they've got that thing somehow uh, open to engine oil and it uses the engine oil as the viscous fluid, I think it might last forever. So, but I could be wrong. I, I, I have no idea. It might be worth a uh, might be worth a Google search. Okay, um, I will do that. The reason I'm asking is I'm considering a Volvo tractor as my purchase. So, and listening to you guys all the time, that had me curious. Well, you know, I, I'm not sure of the answer yeah, I'd like either. To if it does more need about to, that. Yeah, if it does need to be replaced, it's certainly not easy. So that's going to be a challenge. Um, if it doesn't need to be replaced, I guess that's one plus mark for the Volvo engine, but it's the only one I can think of. 
the newer okay. the newer one's pretty good, isn't it? Um, you know, I still just don't find anything very impressive about it. I don't see really good fuel economy right. numbers like you would expect. Nobody ever says, "Boy, my Volvo just pulls like crazy." Um, there's just not much about that engine to get too excited about. You know, I can say this because Bruce isn't here. It's kind of like Volvo cars. They're pretty solid, but they're just boring. <laughs> I, I just, I, I never understood, I when, yep. you know, Bruce is such a, you know, gearhead power junkie and he loves Volvo cars. It must be his one break from, you know, high performance and exciting. Well, no, his, uh, I'll tell you what, that, uh, turbo, uh, that rr 90s thing he's got that yeah. thing makes like 320 horsepower so it's a quick Does car it? Huh. okay yep all right well there's the music all right we'll have to uh debate that some other time just not a fan of volvo engines love volvo trucks one of my favorites just don't like their engines i've got to get out of here thanks for joining us we will see you next time be safe be profitable be fit and healthy Always do the hard work and master the journey. Kevin Rutherford. Thanks for tuning in to the Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.